Lovejoy, actually. <laughs> Hello. Welcome Hello. to... Hello and welcome to Lovejoy Actually, a podcast about Lovejoy. Woo! Actually. I'm Helen. Oh, I'm Paul. And I'm Em. Hello, everybody. Hi, hi. And today we are talking about Series 5, Episode 4, The Kakiamon Tiger. Now, I had to wait until the end of the episode to know how to pronounce that word. So did I. Yeah. So did I. <laughs> but now I could, with confidence, say, and I'm going to say it again, the Kakiamon Tiger. Kakiamon. Uh, Kakiamon. Kakiamon. That's even better than, what was it? Gadroon. Gadroon. <laughs> in the very Kakiamon. first episode. Well, there are actually two different people in the episode. One does say Kakiamon and the other one says Kakiamon. So, I mean... It's all sort of a diphthong, isn't it? It's, it's something like... Kakiamon, Kakiamon, which is basically yeah. just a diphthong said slower. It's an, and the different, and an emphasis and a different syllable. But you know. I, I was waiting for to speak to you two tonight to find out how it was pronounced. There you I go. wasn't even it's, going to attempt it. It's Kakiamon. And um, do you have, do you, have you got... Oh, it's by Roger Marshall, who randomly we were discussing earlier on. Um, who when, haunts we were, Polly? We were, who who haunts my flat in Collindale? Which, if you ha- are on Patreon and you watch to the Q and A, you get a little insight into my flat in Collindale because <laughs> it's where I'm sitting while we're recording this. So, <laughs> I imagine lucky one of those old pictures. <laughs> There's Roger just behind me going. Woo, oh, woo. stop! Imagine if one of those pictures fell off the wall. I would scream. <laughs> now, I wouldn't be happy. in the episode in North Carolina, there is actually a haunted house in that. Ooh. It's going to be my favourite episode ever. Just so we're getting there. We're I so nearly wait. there. We're not. We're really getting close, guys. I mean, it's amazing. It, so, we are getting there. So we should start as is as is our yes. want with um, yeah. the the UK TV play summary. They, they've gone for a slightly different um, as you know. They basically describe drama with love joy, but they use different adjectives. So this week's adjectives: quirky drama series. They've definitely used quirky before. They have. Mm. With, but this is with the denim-clad dodgy antiques dealer. Oh, Ooh. Bit, bit harsh. Yeah. You could also say leather-clad. Denim-clad Im- implies he's double deniming, and he doesn't yeah, do he that. Doesn't do that he doesn't really often, do that. Sometimes. He's gone more for the Jeremy Clarkson vibe, hasn't he, really? Yeah, in this yeah. Sort of, so, yeah. What does about, it say about, about the episode the, itself? It's a very accurate one-sentence summary. Oh, so right. this is what we're going to be talking about today, people. Lovejoy hijacks one of Charlotte's auctions after being menaced by a private debt collector. Do you know, that is the most succinct and beautiful summary we've had so far. I think we should rate the UK TV play. Yeah, I'll let them off for that picture of dogs for Pig in in a Poke. I was really cross about. I'd say it's a five-star summary. I mean, it's... It's excellent. Because it tells you what's happening, but it doesn't give away the plot or, like focus on irrelevant details which sometimes they which it often does it often mentions something that actually only comes up at the end or Mm. isn't really the sort of gist of the whole episode that's really good and it i have to say they pack a heck of a lot into this episode without making it feel like they've suddenly gone oh shit we didn't wrap up the subplot because you know often you 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 have a lovejoy plot where they've got a subplot that's quite nice and then they sort of forget about it and at the end they kind of try and finish them all up very very quickly because it's also the first episode that we meet beth 
Yes, it was so obviously... good. I can't wait to get to that bit. Which was brilliant. And actually, I had forgotten how lovely that was. And, and actually, she's a really great character. And mm. I think because she's not Eric, and Eric was very funny, and she, when they replaced Eric, because eventually she obviously replaces Eric, they they do something very clever, which is not to just try and get another comic sidekick. Mm. So yeah. they don't just say, oh, we're <laughs> going to get this fall guy. They actually get a character who's completely different and actually quite serious character, really, in in many in many ways. And I thought that was clever because I don't think they would have replicated it, particularly as they've already replaced Lady Jane. They have never yeah. tried to replace like with like, and I think that's really yeah. good on on the part of the writers. God, you are right. They pack a lot in thinking about because now I'm reading my notes about the beginning of the episode. Like loads of stuff happens. Like it's very yeah. dense. But it you're is. right. I've made notes against my notes so there's the main <laughs> notes and these are like my footnotes that I've as made I, on yeah, the other page. as I've glanced yeah. down I can see that I've written a word and then written make sure to research this didn't do it so hopefully by the time we get to it you two will either just know it uh, or we can do it on the fly. <laughs> it's fine. I've researched a couple of things for this but they do, they do, usual. but they do pack a lot in but like you say it doesn't feel like packed in it feels the the flow is good it was of the brilliant episode. i mean we've i think we've said that we've quite liked roger marshall's episodes yeah. before yeah so and he's, he's got he's a pedigree writer. as a tv writer i mean Absolutely. i'm just going back to frank marker and how much oh, i yeah. love um public eye <laughs> anyway so but where does it open helen well yeah we open unsurprisingly with well they're at a church so guess what type of service they're attending Oh, they always are. All good episodes start with a funeral. A funeral. Because I thought we might surprise. see that. I might. I thought we might see that lad who goes and, you know, sort of. Yeah, the funeral crasher. Well, funeral, funeral crasher. Yeah. For, yeah. For a minute, I didn't know if that's what they were doing, but it's not what they're doing. They did no, know no, the no. guy. It's a le- so, legit yeah. funeral. So all the gang are at Ben Windsor's funeral, and you know, so we're like straight away. You're like, okay, so Ben Windsor's died, so. He needs to raise. I was like, he needs to raise money to pay his death duties, does he? And and you're going to value his stuff. <laughs> it's not quite like that actually, but it is still obviously to do with the fact that he's died, and um, they're all there, all the gang are there, and we find out that he was briefly married, um, and they're <laughs> oh all there. yeah, very scathingly talk about Mrs. Yeah. Windsor, don't they? <laughs> she, yeah. she sort of turns and up then, for thirty seconds, and then goes again. And then um, someone says, oh, I didn't know he was married. Or, and someone else says, oh, if you blinked twice, you'd have missed it. It was a brief marriage. And then Lovejoy comes along and says to Charlie Gimbert, like your relationships, Charlie. Oh, yeah. Which was bit, good. Bit little, of a dig. It was a little, good dig, though. Good I mean, dig. Probably an accurate dig And well. um, Charlotte's there because her dad was close to Ben. So, like, basically, yeah, yeah the gang are all there. And ben, um, this is where... Have you written down the word schmutter? No, I didn't. No. Lovejoy says to Tinks, Tinks got his um, oh, funeral yes. outfit on, oh, whatever. I but did his, write about the waistcoat. His waistcoat is uh, very fancy, and uh, and Lovejoy goes to him, nice bit of schmutter. And uh, yeah, what's schmutter? I did, I did notice that, but I, was, I don't know what that means. I'm just going to Well, it must it. be Yiddish. It sounds, right? I was going to say it sounds Yiddish, doesn't it? it I'm does, looking yeah. up right now, but it does sound. It definitely it, well, this sounds is the Yiddish. thing where I wrote down, look up. Because t- Tink is always beautifully dressed, as we know. Yeah. Um, and so he says something got... like, you know, I used to wear it to weddings and now I wear it to funerals. Oh. Just the way it is of Yiddish. Life. It is Yiddish from the word schmatter, which means rag, and it just means worthless clothing. Oh, 
So he's using it ironically because it's not yeah. worthless. Yeah, but no, it is It is indeed Yiddish. So well done. We're getting good at this linguistic malarkey, aren't we? So then, I mean, some guy at the funeral, I presume, is Ben Windsor's son. We don't actually know who he is. Um, invites everyone to the wake and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm busy. And then he's like, oh, we're going to uh, talk about the will and suddenly everyone perks up. It was quite to... depressing, really. That wasn't, it was like, oh, no, we're doing it. Oh! Yeah, he, yeah. he was like, oh, you can come round. There's, you know, there's going to be wine or nipples or whatever. And everyone's like, no, I'm kind of busy. Oh, there's money involved. Okay, we're all going. <laughs> At the wake, they are drinking a manthanilla, which I is... I loved this bit. So did I. Which so it, much. Well, <laughs> For anyone oh, that doesn't know what manthanilla is, it's a type of sherry, but it's a it's a nice sherry. So if you think you don't like sherry, uh, I don't like You're sherry. Like you will like manthanilla. Yeah. Manthanilla is very nice, and it's from well, obviously it's from who's got the, the bingo card with Helen just effortlessly speaks another language. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so it's obviously it's from, from the, the area of Spain that Lovejoy lived in when he was trying to paint. When he said that to Charlotte, I was like, uh, Yeah, oh my god. Do you know what I love? <laughs> it was about a bit this. like it was a bit. He's like, Oh, that's the area because it's from like so Jerez is where Sherry. That's where the what name Sherry comes from, the town of Jerez mm. in southwestern Spain. And um, so Manthani is from the same area. But yeah, he says, it's the area of Spain I lived in when I was trying to paint. I mean, it's a bit wanky. I'm sorry, Lovejoy. No, it was hot. (laughs) No, it was so, it was a bit like slimy. Like I'm trying to impress everyone. I'm trying to big up. I mean, yeah, you sort of ran away to Spain. There were two, there were two things. Don't listen to me. (laughs) There were two things that I liked about this few minutes, actually, in that there were several callbacks which showed amazing continuity the other one was the lalique because you know charlotte got given some lalique and the lalique has been referenced before not in relation obviously to charlotte but it's something that's come up as something that lovejoy likes and has sought out for people um and then the other thing i liked was that thing about it makes you realize and this then comes up later in the episode that charlie really is just winging it yeah charlie's charlie's winging it he's he's playing a part that he can't actually pull off and every now and then the mask slips whereas Lovejoy who is the one in you know the denim clad yeah whatever bit of a rough he's not a bit rough at all he's not at all he's, he's very he's educated which is he's, he's referred to later on they actually say oh he's educated and um, actually can quite effortlessly have these conversations, even if he doesn't look the part. And it's that lovely thing we've talked about before, about looks being deceptive, and, and I, just, I really like that. And he is himself, isn't he? Right? Lovejoy is, is, is always himself, where, well, mm. apart from when he's scamming people. Whereas Charlie Gimbert is all... And we see it in this episode, he's always trying to put on a front or be something that he isn't. I, I really love Charlie in this episode. And it's brilliant. And I just sort of warmed to him a bit more. I I kind of had some empathy for Charlie through this episode. Um, But yeah, so essentially what what they find out about Ben Windsor's will and they find out that he's left items in his will to all the people that are gathered at this wake, various friends and acquaintances. They we so they never explicitly say, but we gather that he's also a dealer, an antiques dealer, Mm. and that he leaves things to people that they've admired Mm. that he's sold over the years and that he has in his collection. Charlie yeah. gets grape scissors, 
Yeah. Tinker gets a teapot. Yeah. Lovejoy gets a cigarette lighter that I really like. Which is really made, cool. Made yeah. Isn't it made out of a bullet or something? Yeah, a cartridge case. Cartridge yeah. case, yeah. From the First World War. It's really cool. That is cool. I think he actually gets the coolest item, even mm. if it's not that. Didn't he say he, so he was a sort of dealer, he ran a shop, didn't he? Uh, like an antique yeah. sh- shop, basically. Yeah, yeah. And then the finest French paperweights in East Anglia. I can't remember who says that about Which, them. Again, the finest I love French paperweights it. in East Anglia go to Jerry Boyle. You know what I'm... Yes, gonna, who's yeah. not there. Jerry Boyle isn't there. Yeah, it just reminds me of... Yeah, it always reminds me of the thing that you said, Paul, about the largest seated outdoor <laughs> Buddha in outdoor South... Outdoor Buddha in Southeast Asia. By the yeah. way, like the, that was the on finest Travel Man the other day. Yeah. It was on Travel Man, the idea I, of doing a weekend break in Hong Kong. I was struggling to, like, grab my phone to take a picture and send it to you. I, I was so excited. Get well, the, the largest oh, outdoor seated bronze Buddha in Southeast Asia. Southeast yeah. Asia, I know. So, yeah, so Jerry Boyle's been left these paperweights and everyone's shocked... Jerry Boyle's been left them. The intake like, of breath. Maybe, <gasps> maybe oh, Ben Jerry. didn't change his will. And we're like, oh my god, what did Jerry Boyle what, do? What did? Oh my god. Um, I just, I just got excited in a couple of minutes by who Jerry Boyle was. But, I was um, so excited. I did, him. and I'm, I'm very I excited barely, to read you my notes. <laughs> I could literally not contain myself. So, so basically, Lovejoy then decides to be the one. I don't know why, why it's his job. Um, I have a theory <laughs> about this because Lovejoy goes to see Jerry. Um, in prison and I, and I feel like maybe the reason that Lovejoy did that is because nobody else I don't know if you two have ever been to prison <laughs> like to visit a prison but there's that whole etiquette around it and yeah it's a bit daunting and the first time you it's go you're like daunting. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing and whereas we know that Lovejoy has actually been inside himself so for yeah. him, like I can see yeah. why he would be like yeah. oh, I'll go and figure out what's ha- happened here because everyone at the wake was really like what and but they're then, a bit of a tight-knit community, aren't they, those antique dealers? So. Yeah, yeah but, but to be fair, Jerry Boyle is equally surprised that he's been left the paperweights and has the same reaction. Like, But didn't he change his will? Reason mm. being, this, I, I thought this was like really hilarious. We'll talk about who he is in a minute, but I do think it was really, really hilarious that he's, <laughs> that he's in prison for nicking the paperweights. <laughs> I, I felt quite. Um, I just realised actually because I've looked him up. Should we? Should we say who he is? Mm, who he yeah. Is? Oh, wait. Let me read my note to you. Oh, go on. <clears throat> Lovejoy at prison seeing Jerry. Oh my gosh! It's couldn't remember his name. So what I wrote was Rose Bumman. And then I wrote James Nesbitt. Because <laughs> I remember what was the first bit Rose Bum Man. Yeah, because in Cold Feet he has the rose oh, in between his yes. But you know, so yeah. Cold Feet was three years oh, after this, and he looks very young, feet. very young. He in looks this. a baby in this. Doesn't he, he looks so young, and because I really fancy James Nesbitt, like I really fancy James Nesbitt, and like, but weirdly, I also couldn't remember his name straight away, which is weird because like I love him and I definitely know who he is and I love yeah. watching him and everything. I just had this blank where I was like, I couldn't retrieve his name, but I did mm. obviously remember it in the end. But yeah, and my first thought was he has aged so well. Like he looks, yeah. and I know he looks sexy. Yeah. He didn't really look that sexy then though. He no, has bit, grown he, into his looks. He's grown into his looks yeah. massively. So yeah, lovely James Nesbitt. And obviously he's brilliant. Oh, and, I, I think and you James could is, really see two good actors at yeah. work. Yes, absolutely. The camera work was brilliant. The way they were, they had the sort of talking heads talking to each other. His reactions, like it, I completely forgot that it wasn't real, and I was like, "Oh, in each them, I couldn't believe it." Yeah, it was really good, and I love that. Like James says, it was like smoking in the scene, like you know, because nowadays obviously you wouldn't be able to just sit smoking in the 
public mm. waiting room thing. It was like really cool. Um, and then he says, he says to Lovejoy, um, okay, well, I nicked them, but now they belong to me. So will you help me to shorten Wait, my sentence and get have out? A night, have a quiet word. Yeah. <laughs> Lovejoy says, he says, there's, there's a drink, a drink in, it. in it for you. <laughs> I wrote, I wrote down, really, just a drink. Yeah. I mean, and, then, and then I was like, does this maybe mean something else? Yeah, Question mark. Ask Helen. <laughs> no. But no. it's hilarious because he's like, yeah, oh, now I'm in, prison for, I'm in prison for nicking something that now belongs to me, so surely I shouldn't be in prison. It's like, yeah, interesting logic, Jerry, but sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah no. you, did, you did sort of do a crime. So love it was a little bit like, oh, I, I murdered someone, but they would have died anyway. They were they were very, yeah, they, they were they very were gonna, old. Yeah, well, we, we're, we're all going to die. We're all going <laughs> to die. So I mean, you know, I just it just happened exactly. a bit sooner because I yeah exactly. Um, but I love to. He does agree to try and look into this for him. But like you say, what's he going to do? Like just call up the judge and be like, oh, by the way, as if he's going to go, oh yeah, you know what? Fair enough. We'll yeah. Uh... <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, and then we see this is this is where like okay so that that's that's that storyline setting up so we know there's something with Ben Windsor he's died and we you think maybe it's going to be about these paperweights but it's not really but that story has begun mm. and then we go to Gimbert who's lording it up at Felsham Hall and oh, bless um, him. but we, he does say something like he basically gives away about his childhood and his impoverished yeah. past and he says he didn't see an indoor toilet until he was 12 oh, and so you start to think like okay Gimbert you know you've Never... come a long way and I love maybe, the like... really telling bit in this scene where Charlie says oh I was riding yesterday and Lovejoy says oh was it anyone I know and uh-huh. you immediately get within one line really one line of dialogue you get Charlie's not comfortable really riding he it's not something that he's done very mm. often but he can do it now because now he's got Felsham Hall and so he's sort of in with the it's that idea that if you called. have the trappings you can yeah. get away with it and you got this insight into Lovejoy where he would know people who did that because he knows how to ride and he and it's just part of his world and the way that Charlie was like oh, fine like I just yeah, it's I that appearances can be deceptive one. thing again between the two of them. Where actually the one that's probably more able to live that lifestyle is actually Lovejoy, the con man who's been in prison, not yeah. Charlie. But I tell you what, you two say you're sympathetic, and I tell you why I'm not right because within the same conversation, he says to Lovejoy, "Use the back door." That's you true. Know, lose yeah, the tradesman's entrance. But I felt entrance. like he was sort of doing that to reassert his. It's yeah, because he but, was. Sort of, he lets his, his hurt last... feelings of like, yeah. yeah, I did feel left out when I went riding, and no, I didn't know anyone, and actually, I did know that you knew them all, and you can just bugger off around the back, actually, no, but because the, you've the... literally chosen to not be involved with that. Whereas but it's been something is... that I've been aiming for. Kind of. I think thing. the reason, and I, I know it's not really a comparison, but you see, so you guys have watched this and sort of said, "Oh, I feel a bit sorry for him." I think the difference is, so my, my dad grew up, oh, this is starting to sound a bit like the four Yorkshiremen sketch. Oh, you are a outdoor, Lou, you were lucky. But, I'm but going my to say dad, something about my dad later on in this episode. Oh, yeah, it was a bucket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, dad, my, my dad had, a, you know, outdoor Lou until he was sort of in his, I think, early teens. And then they were moved out of the centre of Bradford and into this sort of council estate in, in Buttershaw, which is where they filmed Rita, Sue and Bob too, which I know Em will, will know. Oh, yeah, I love it. Definitely. And um, my dad, okay, didn't buy a you know massive estate and end up a millionaire or whatever but my dad got a job that earned him a decent amount of money and basically made him 
go from working class to middle class. And he is everything that Charlie isn't. My dad will give away money to people because he's like, oh my God, I've got money and I know what I didn't have. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. and, and he's, he, the, the two reactions of admittedly this fictional character and my dad, who I admit is on a pedestal for me, so I'm biased, but the, the difference between I've got money now and screw the lot of you because I'm, uh, you know, he's very insecure, Charlie. I've got money now. Yeah, but I think I, just I, to go very psychotherapy on this one, I think yeah. it's because your dad feels secure. Yeah, exactly. In everything that you know, he he's built but, his world, and he's had. I don't know. I don't know the background of your dad. Actually, what we're doing, but no, I, you're Charlie right. doesn't feel secure, and he and he knows that he's faking yeah. it, and your dad isn't faking it. Well, also, your my dad, dad is good at what it. he does. My dad has a northern accent. Uh, he doesn't pretend he's to be something. To pretend, he's not. Yeah, that's the my trick, dad. Isn't it? Basically, went, bloody hell, I've got money, and, you know, and 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 has really enjoyed. Everything that comes mm. and is the most generous person I I know, uh, like the most generous person oh, with money that. and everything else. Well, and and Charlie is well. the opposite. He's hanging on to it because he's insecure. Yeah. So maybe yeah. I do feel sorry for him a bit, but the difference between, you know, like my my dad would never sort of do the whole will you use the tradesman's entrance because I it, it, the idea of hierarchy you, to my dad is abhorrent. You know. What I knew I mean? you yeah. said. I think, do I think you have the tradesman's is, entrance, Polly, and then I was like that is not a question you should ask a friend a lady <laughs> um i but i think i think part of the reason he makes that comment is because i mean love is not exactly i mean they have i know it's a different sort of comment because it's making uh highlighting that difference between their financial situations mm. but you know they they make horrible comments to each other all the oh, time yeah. i mean like the jive that he made really about him they. at the funeral about his relationships yeah. you know so i think and it's, it's a bit kind tit of, for tat isn't it i suppose it's a bit tit for tat and i and i think like I say, Charlie obviously has had this poor background and then also now he's trying to, like, do the... Sh- he t- also, in this scene, he's chatting about shooting and riding and he's trying but, to kind of... And he's sort of getting it wrong, isn't he? Like, yeah. he's waiting Lovejoy, for the pheasant to just sit still. <laughs> when, Lovejoy, when Lovejoy is genuinely... And he admits it to in, Lovejoy. He says that to Lovejoy. He does, but when Lovejoy is genuinely in trouble later on, like, Lovejoy wouldn't screw over Gimbert if it was going to do him any real harm. Yeah. And Gimbert would screw over Lovejoy. He knows who this guy is, and we'll we'll talk about. Well, you know, we meet this guy later. The the deck, you know, the lo- the the loan private, shark. yeah, deck and private. he's terrifying. And actually, Charlie could help him and doesn't. And I say the difference is somebody like my dad and many many other people I know would go, "Oh my God, what do you need?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. So um, and then we see a pair of Doc Martins, and it's the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> In the next scene, as we've already alluded to, we meet Beth. Yay! Oh, I'd forgotten how awesome she is. I love her. <laughs> Baby Diane Parrish, because I think I know. I, either I didn't watch Lovejoy at this point because she was I'm a little bit time. older than you two. So potentially now I wasn't watching telly on a Sunday night or whatever I was doing. You're in the park drinking cider. Yeah. You're, only a year, you're only a year older than me, but I suppose yeah. a year at that age is quite... A school a year lot. is different, isn't it? Mm. But... um. And I went and looked up how old Diane Parrish is. She Sorry, was very Diane. young at the time. Um, she is doing... 24, what, isn't she? What I thought was a really... Yeah, I thought was a really good example of... They'd literally gone, right, we know what we did wrong with the casting here for Eric, which isn't mm. anyone's fault, really, because when they first filmed in the mid-80s... Oh, yeah, there was the gap. Chris was the right age to well, play no, you're Eric. still a bit old. Yeah, I mean, you always was... play younger, don't you? Because yeah. you can do that. but Because you've got the experience of being younger. And if you're a bit baby looking you can kind of do it mm. so yeah uh, Diane Parrish is in her 20s but she's playing somebody who's kind of college age like 
16, 17, 18, right? I think she's meant. I think she's nineteen or twenty, isn't she? Because she's they they, yeah. to, they say she's actually finished college. She's quite well educated. Ah, see, yeah. I thought well because I haven't seen the rest of them. I was putting her at like I've done my GCSEs. Now I'm no, doing she's like, older than the that. next bit. But I guess that's because I'm thinking about nowadays an apprentice. No, she's older than that because and and um, I I don't know. I I love her and I love that that in the very last episode she gets a job at Fitzwilliam Museum, which is another lovely bit of continuity because that's referred to in this episode when Charlotte says, I'm not doing the auction because I'm buying for the Fitzwilliam that day. And at Fitzwilliam Museum in Cambridge is where Beth ends up getting a job. Oh, my God, I want to cry. Isn't that gorgeous? Sorry, I am. this is why I've got Lovejoy Mm. Rain Man written on my screen for this particular (laughs) recording because I I have gone... Peak geek in this episode. The camera work in this episode was so good as well. Wasn't because it you gorgeous? It, it's not as though Eric and Tink... So Eric and Tink are there and they're, they're sort of trying to move this sideboard or whatever it is around this like 300-year-old sideboard around. Um, and there's a young girl sat on a wall watching them. But you don't sort of see them and the girl and blah, blah, blah. You start by seeing her feet and the, in these docks. And yeah. so it, it, it's almost like someone wearing Doc Martens is what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a, a key to being like, right, I know what kind of person that person is. They like art. They're an art student, probably. They go to Goldsmiths. Yeah. It's probably... <laughs> she, would be I was. she was an art student, didn't they? She'd been to art school. She'd just finished an art course. Just mm-hmm. finished a art yeah. school. And, um, and I miss my docs. And I'm, it's nearly winter, so my fake docs will come out again. But, yeah, all through school and all through college... Um, that's all I wore. So to to see these like little Doc Martins swinging on a wall, I was like, whoever this is, I love them. And then it kind of pans up, and I'm like, oh, I know this is Beth. I'm so she's she is. I had forgotten what an entrance she makes and how again effortlessly just chill she is. And she is. This is. I feel like this is the bit where Lovejoy. You know, we always have the sort of misogyny of the week and it's been getting slightly less and less. And mm. this is when, actually, I feel like this sisters is a are doing it for point, themselves, yeah. you know. She she comes in and is just like, what do you need? Yeah, you know, so Eric I'll and Tinker sort of manhandling. It's a bit like that Laurel and Hardy thing with the I was, piano you know, the You say Laurel and Hardy, I thought Chuckle Brothers. Did anyone I, else think, <laughs> to me, to you, to me, I, to I you. I thought Chuckle Brothers later on. <laughs> another point for this episode. So... They're, 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 yeah, they're manoeuvring this sideboard down some steps and Tink is whittering on about hernias as usual and uh, and somehow they they slip, whatever, and the sideboard lands on Eric and he's like, I've broken my arm. And then they, so they kind of manage to get the sideboard down, they put it down and then they're like having some altercation about Eric's arm and then they are like, right, we better get this sideboard on the truck and they turn mm. around to put it on the truck and it's, it's on the on truck. The truck. How did she do that, though? I know. Ah, it's well, I, I think it's because when you're quite young, you think you just are really tough and you'll yeah, just and do stuff to prove... A lot of it's self-belief as well. Yeah. Oh, I can do that. Chunk. Yeah, it's yeah. true. So, yeah, and I... Because I didn't really... I had... I didn't know about Beth, but I couldn't... I, I was just being a bit... So I was like, oh, well, there's that person. Oh, does she become a regular? Oh, oh, it's Beth. You know, I was kind of going through... And I, the, one of my other main thoughts was, isn't she in EastEnders now or something? Yeah, yeah. she yeah. Okay. So Diane Parrish, if if listeners don't know, uh, I guess if you're in the States because you won't watch EastEnders, or maybe you will, maybe you just really love English television. Um, but she's... Basically, Nick, this bit's for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's like, in, in this, she's just a, a tiny little black girl who just appears on the scene 
and is like, oh, help you out. here as well. So actually, does she's amazing because it, 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 she does stand out, and I think that's probably the point. When you think about what happened with Midsummer Murders, do you remember oh, when yeah. someone went and looked and was like, you've had no people of colour mm. in your show for 12 years? Or something, and I know yeah. there's a lot of there's not crossover between Midsummer Murders and Lovejoy, particularly apart from jobbing actors. I apart think from, and, our po- and the podcasts that we both talk to <laughs> yeah, each other. Yeah, the podcasts that we yeah. all listen to. But and uh, th- there is that that kind of uh, Englishness about them. Yeah, certainly. And um, and so here we're seeing somebody coming along who the audience would maybe go, oh, that's why is she, oh, and then she just becomes this. She just slots herself Wonderful in. Wonderful person with Eric and... Well, we'll talk about it as we go through, but, but this it, is doesn't what I feel, like. it doesn't feel shoved in. That's no. what I'm trying to See, say. I, whereas I... Maybe I'm just very cynical, but I was a bit like, is this just kind of a, an attempt at diversity to have this See, I didn't, I don't, I didn't I didn't make attempts at diversity no, in 1994. I, I, I think, now? I think they got someone who deliberately looked incongruous because Tinker is quite anti Yeah, Tinker's like, oh, she's a girl. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She's, she's a girl. She's black. She's short. She's little. So she's, yeah, she's not little. the big she's burly men little. that tend to be in the episode hoiking around antiques. Oh. And I, so I actually thought, okay, maybe it's deliberate. In as much as she is everything that that world isn't. Yeah. And, oh, and, it'd be, that, and it'd that be was interesting. Deliberate. I wonder what happened with the casting because I imagine in the script it just says a, a small teenage girl. Yeah. Because they, they don't kind of. Mm. Um, they, they, yeah, that's what they're concentrating on. She's a girl. I just really liked her. I liked her outfit. I liked I did. her. I like everything about her. And I've forgotten how cool she <laughs> I was. Loved her. She was. And great. I don't feel that they have really used her enough in later episodes. And I've read people saying that. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, you know, after Eric, who was a lot of fun, they actually didn't really. You know, Beth was a bit sort of insipid, and and I think a lot of people felt what Helen's just said that oh, they're just trying to make it diverse. But that's you blame the writers because I think yeah. the same about Doctor Who. I adore Jodie Whittaker. I think the writing has been incredibly like worthy and hand wringing and, and a bit annoying. And I, I mean, it liked was about the time they series. had a doctor from Huddersfield. You know, Definitely. I mean, yeah, that's diversity. <laughs> the diversity that we needed. We've had Scottish doctors. We needed but I, I a suppose doctor. it's interesting, isn't it? Because the thing with Doctor Who is to have a, a woman doctor in 2018 or whenever it was. Well, you know, it broke the. It would. It would have meant more. Twitter, Twitter it means... was in out, uproar. Which is ridiculous. It would have meant a lot more to have a female doctor in 2002, or whenever they rebooted the series. I can't remember what it was. And and I think that's why this this casting is great. And yeah, I just and also what you said earlier about these characters are completely different. She's not an idiot. She doesn't make mistakes. As we go through and we talk about it, she's the one saying, "Oh, Eric, are you sure you should be doing this?" You know what else I love? She's the the voice. The, the voice of reason to Eric. I know I'm. I know I'm leaping ahead a bit, but the other thing that I really love is when she later on is helping them carry things, and she's going, "You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right." And 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 he's trying. He's got all this bravado, and it's proper like hubris moment of you know. He's sort of yeah, yeah, yeah I'm fine. Yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And he's showing off to her, and pride comes before a fall, and yeah. all that. But she's As genuinely. Yeah. I th- anyway, we're avoiding anyway. the next scene because it's so scary. Yeah, it so is. Go on, go on. This is the peril. So this is where peril alert, 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 peril alert. We can't sing on Zoom together, can you? Um, 
So yeah, so this is where the private debt collector of blurb fame um, turns up. Well, I mean, we don't know that, but I kind of guessed straight away, you're like, oh, that's probably... Yeah. I read. I read the UK TV play summary. Yeah. This is probably the private debt collector. Well, first of all, his man turns up, Mr. Rathbone. Well, that's what, he's well, quite sinister. Yeah. He's also yeah. as he's... soon as this guy turned up, I was like, oh, he's a policeman, isn't he? And I went and looked him up on literally everything. He's like this tall black guy. I've definitely seen him in something with a. I'm sure he's a policeman. I think maybe he just plays policeman all the time because I couldn't narrow down what it was what he's in where he's like a recurring character he's a very well-known actor did we find out his name i couldn't yeah his name is colin salmon that's it colin salmon yeah yeah and he's thinking you'd become a fisherman wouldn't you he's He's very yeah in nominative determinism would have him as a fisherman but he is in fact a big tall man Not 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 unattractive. Quite easy on the eye. Um, I will say, I think my notes lost a little bit as we sort of carried on the scenes that he's in. I've just kept writing very tall. I've written it about ten times. Very tall. Well, also because of Beth, and you're just very short, and then the same. Very tall. Beth is tiny. Very very short. She's tiny. Yeah, so petite. So this guy turns up, and you can tell he's a heavy. You know. So straight away, like, he asks for Lovejoy, and Lovejoy's like, oh, I'll just see if he's in, and tries to bluff, and this guy's not having any of it. He's got that creepy thing that the Cray twins sort of had yeah. to an extent, that with the suit. He's in a suit, he's very yeah. smart. He's, he's clearly, right. he's, he's sort poised. of experienced at being intimidating. Yeah. yeah. So as soon so, as Lovejoy says, oh, he, uh, Lovejoy's around here somewhere, or whatever he says, and he sees through it like Helen just yeah. said, you kind of yeah. know, oh, this happens to him. All the time. He is a professional. This is his job. Finding people is his job and scaring them. Because he's scary. So he's been sent by Alexander Litvak. Yes. Sandy Litvak. And Lovejoy's like, I don't know who that guy is. I've never heard of him. But Lovejoy's like, right, I better go with this guy because he's seriously scary. So he gets driven off in this like pretty cool looking white stretch limo. It's beautiful. with wine, no wine chilling in the well, back, and so Lovejoy, to be fair to him, gets stuck into the wine. Which well, I mean, you were the interesting thing was the guy says to him, "There's wine in the back, so just relax and enjoy yourself while we're on this journey to see Mister Litvak." But then when he, I don't know why you two didn't notice this when he when he goes to get a drink, that's not wine; it's vodka. And I thought, ah, oh. are you cluing us into the fact that this? person you're going to see is Russian. Maybe I was Well, maybe the name it. Alexander Litvak I mean, that was also <laughs> a clue. <laughs> or like the Novichok that he just... Yeah. Was he here to see beautiful cathedral? No, yeah. actually... We love your cathedral. It's very I, pretty. I think it's the most just incredible apartment I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, my so, I mean, I, d- I did, but I, always, I did think like, oh, yes, Lovejoy, you know, the best thing to do in a life or death situation, which this could be for, you know, is just to get pissed. Because your judgment and ability to get yourself out of the life or death situation is always going to be better when you're drunk. But so they they go to, we presume they drive to London. We don't actually know where they are, but presumably it's London. Like you say, we go to Litvak's very fancy apartment. Assumptuous, eerie. Eerie? So Litvak's apartment, I mean, he has a pool in his apartment. It's pretty cool. Nice. Um, But also he has a, he's obviously got an eye for the antiques. Because we have a lot of tinkly music playing at this scene. Oh, yes. And Lovejoy looking at all um, Litvak's, you know, artefacts and just loving it, basically. Um, Polly, you know you mentioned your dad earlier. Yeah. At this point, I've written, oh, this man is exactly like my dad. 
What, so, lip back? Yeah, lip back. This so this he's very psycho like, he's very quiet and he's yeah, he's very quiet and he's very like, hi. So this is what's happening and you need to know about it. He is very matter of fact. Miss this, he is, this and is therefore true. you need to sort it out. And he doesn't raise his voice and he, he in fact if anything his voice is quite quiet. I find that more sinister and though. it's very it's really controlling sinister. and it's very like I mean, I'm in charge here, so he he doesn't need to do any of the heavy stuff because he's that's what he's got Rathbone. So mm. Rathbone is the tall guy. That's what he's got Rathbone for. He doesn't yeah. need to. He can just be like, you know, very sort of calm. So Mr. So, Litvak is the private debt collector. He's horrible, isn't he? He's really well, he, horrible. Yeah, so he's basically like a, a very high class loan shark. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that's he? How I like my loan sharks. And um, oh. he's the reason that he's called Lovejoy. There is that Litvak has inherited a debt. So basically, Lovejoy bought owed... A debt. Presumably he's bought a debt. And then yeah, and he's probably also, bought yeah. it for like 20p. So, so yeah, so basically he's inherited this debt from Leo Silverman, who's some... Basically, so we find out the story that Hog, um, Lovejoy bought some Hogarth etchings for Mitamura. And they, keep, they, they do pronounce his name in quite a sort of... They sort of almost use a Japanese accent when they say it. Mr. Mitamura. Yeah. Do you get the feeling that there's just here, this is the little bit of sort of just casual racism or xenophobia. I think you just call him a Jap. He calls him a Jap. The the word Jap is used a lot. Excuse us, listeners. But it's used a lot in this episode. He calls him that. And then also it's even just the fact that you go, oh, really, Silverman. So he's got, you know, he's been to a Jewish loan shock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and now where they're using this abuse, you know. I mean, Litvak is is casually racist to a number of different groups of people throughout the episode. So, yeah, so basically Lovejoy bought some Hogarth etchings for Mitamura, who's a Japanese collector. And then Mitamura did a runner... So never gave Lovejoy the money for these etchings and Lovejoy obviously didn't have the money. So basically Lovejoy owes six and a half grand to Leo Silverman. But Litvak's like, no, you owe 14 grand. He's like, why? He's like, well. This is what is so Because insane. Leo Silverman died, right? So, yeah. And now Litvak's taken on his... Which I don't think you were allowed to do. But no, but you could, like you said, you, could buy, you could buy it's it, awful. I guess. You can... Have you read Brick Lane? Because this is basically what Brick Lane is about, is about people taking out debts that are structured in such a way that you can never pay them yeah. back because I mean, the that's interest really... is so huge. It's that's basically like a, pay, a payday are, loan sort of rate. It's despicable. Yeah. So he says, I work on the six to five principle. So basically, if I loan you five pounds, you've got to pay me six pounds back. Which initially I was like, well, that's not a crazy rate. But then yeah. that's, no, each, that's that, yeah. per week. So yeah, it's I, insane. I wish I could do the maths, but I know it's very complicated maths to work out what that would be as an APR. Um, she can only do the languages, but she can do all the languages. I can do maths the ma- is a language that none of us can I can do, if I had the formula, but if the formula to calculate APR is really, co- I know that it's really complicated. Like if you look at your mortgage calculation or whatever and how that is like, what? Um, so basically, but it's very high interest rate. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just disgusting, basically. And this thousands is how Litvak's been able to have his beautiful flat with his swimming pool and his wonderful pieces of art. His Picasso and on his the wall. And his Mr Rathbone on the staff I don't know how people, people can do that, though. He basically very proudly says, how do you think I can afford to live like this? And then basically very proudly says, by screwing everyone else yeah, over, and I wonder if in a way this go is, me. Yeah, I wonder if in a way this is why I sort of warmed to Charlie in this episode, because yeah. Litvak was so awful, but he was sort of taking what a Charlie does, but to the nth degree, like, he's yeah. doing what Charlie does, but 
even worse. But, but maybe Charlie also, would do that if he had the chance. I don't know. I don't he know. also says things that are just as... I mean, it, what he's doing can't be legal because he d- doesn't no. he basically say, oh, it's this amount on this day, this amount on this day, and then it's a broken neck. Or, yeah, or, and he's yeah, like, yeah, what, so what so he says like, do you want to wear? Cashmere or concrete? Oh, he's, that yeah, was it. Oh, he's, it's awful. Basically, that's how he's going to get the money out of you. He's going to frighten you so much that you're going to find the money somehow and he doesn't care how you find it yeah. so that's whatever um and then on the very rare occasions where he doesn't get the money he's probably very much prepared to use violence but it's interesting because he says oh it's fair because the rate always stays the same you know where you stand with me um yeah the base this 14 grand is going to turn into 16,800 mm. if he doesn't um repay it within the next few days but then he says, like, yeah, he says, like, oh, the rate always stays the same. It'll go up to 16,800, then it'll go up to such and such, and then it'll be broken limbs and intensive care. It's like, well, that's not staying the same, then, is it's it? It's a bit that's... of an escalation, isn't it? It's a bit of an escalation. Just, just stay with it until it was 45 and then do a broken limb. Yeah, so anyway, so, so, that's, so that's the scenario there. So basically, Lovejoy's got five days to find 14 grand. So that's like the, that's the, um, setup of the episode really it's isn't he's, scary isn't it's it it's now like how is he going to get this 14 grand but you know you sort of feel like Lovejoy can well he well, shows we've, we've seen him uh, in that episode yeah that I now can't remember with Billy from EastEnders where he whizzed around and, and made several thousand pounds in an afternoon yeah. just by upgrading and upgrading the yeah. antiques which is basically what he does here to an extent mm. it's brilliant I mean not quite but, but it's had, a bit of better luck here I bit of luck as well yeah, yeah. So, so that's the setup for that but then we go back to um, you know to Lovejoy Antiques and Eric oh, with I've his... written, horsey girl has a horse. Oh, oh yeah. this is the bit where you feel sorry that. for Basically, Charlie. we just see Charlie again trying Charlie and Charlie can't get on a horse properly. Yeah. I thought it was unnecessarily slapstick and it well, laid the point. And it was it a was little quite bit oh, stupid well, because bit... he'd said that he'd been riding already. So he obviously does know how to at yeah, least but get into the get saddle. Yeah, he well, this is a bit, that was a bit later on. That was a bit later oh, on. So, no, I'm just saying that was a bit later on. Gimbert falling off a horse. I wrote, Gimbert falling off a horse is the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you see, I think this was the bit where but I this didn't was like where, him because where, yeah. he shouted at that at the girl. Oh, yeah, he really did. Bring the horse round. But again, you know. I thought, oh, my God, he's really frightened of the horse. I don't know what happened to me when I was watching this. I'd lost my mind, clearly. But basically, yeah, he's really trying, bless him. And that's the thing I think you think, because he really is trying to, to get into these things that he thinks he should like because of his mm. position. And... And he's not doing it because no one can see him doing this, like his struggle. He's doing it, you know, on his own kind of thing. Anyway, I um, I thought it was quite sweet. Um, yeah, so then we, and then we go back to Lovejoy Antiques. Eric's got his arm in a sling and we found out he's bruised his humerus. Can you, can you bruise a bone? I don't know. But it, <laughs> yeah, no, I think you can. But it made me laugh because you said very funny, Eric, and I thought that was quite neat. Yeah. Did you, um, do you guys, I'm sure you... Have I told you this? That I had a boyfriend who dislocated his knee dancing. <laughs> Not when I was oh. there, I hasten to add. I wasn't oh. there when this happened. Uh, but I'm sure I have mentioned this boyfriend, Potty. Love him. Um, but yeah, I suddenly realised watching this, I was like, oh, maybe that's why I liked Potty, because he was exactly like Eric. Just <laughs> getting into scrapes. And so, um, and so then basically what's happening here is Eric is trying to persuade Lovejoy to take on Beth as like an extra you know, worker, and Lovejoy's like, we haven't, which I mean, because it's a bonkers suggestion, actually, in, in, on the face of it, because like, they don't have any money, they, even, I mean, 
it's alluded to in this episode that Eric still doesn't really get paid mm. by Lovejoy, so why are they going to take on someone else? Tinker even but, says, that's another mouth to feed. Yeah. And, I mean, I wonder if at this point, like, if Eric fancies her a little bit, and that might be partly why. Oh, Eric blatantly fancies her. They sort of say to him, don't they, well, you know... He says, oh, I want to take her under my wing. And they're like, well, you do that all the time. You've done that before. And he's like, no, this is different because this is business. And then he gives this explanation of actually why it does work in their favour. Yeah. So she's on ET, which I don't I don't remember what ET was. And I bet it stood for like employment training. But it's exactly like an apprenticeship now because basically she'll, she'll get paid £35 a week by the government to yeah. do training. And... Because even now, apprentices, like the minimum wage for apprentices is about £2 an hour. Mm, so even yeah. now, apprentices, so if you work a 40-hour week, 35-hour week, you get £70. I mean, twice as much. I mean, it's not, basically it's the same, Yeah. you know, amount of money as it would have been back then. So it's we still have this system where people get paid pitiful amounts. And, okay, yes, they're training, but, you know, employers are making the most of it. And they do actually get to do work. The reason I've gone on a bit of a rant at this is I'm quite excited because my profession got a mention. Yeah, I didn't know whether you would say anything. I was like, I it's thought, Helen's yeah. time to shine. <laughs> I mean, you know, careers advisors don't get mentioned anywhere ever, even though we are extremely valuable to Absolutely. society. Um, so yeah, I was quite excited that I got a mention there. Um, so, so yeah, so basically they can take her on as basically an apprentice. And it's like, oh, we just have to try and make it look like she's doing training. But the good thing about antiques is there's so much to learn that even if they do just have her, like, using her amazing strength to haul around cabinets, she's still going to learn yeah. learn about the cabinets. So actually, yeah, absolutely. it's not really a scam. They're not really pulling the wool over anyone's eyes because she is going to learn. And in fact, in this episode, she demonstrates that she's already learned. And as learning. the very last episode shows, she really does. Yeah, mm. so it's actually, it's win-win. And then this is where we go back to Gimbert. And like I said, this is where I wrote Gimbert oh, yeah. falling oh, off a horse. Oh, you're right. Uh, it's fall- all right. Every episode, Helen has to say, wait, you missed the bit where. <laughs> but I did, I mean, as I said, I wrote Gimbert falling off a horse is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Because <laughs> it was brilliant. Bless him. Oh, bless him. Bless him. Bless it. Just sort of, it is quite hard to. I mean, horses are really big and quite <laughs> scary. I mean, they are. They, they are. Big. Wise comment of the of the evening. Well, horses are really. I mean, big. They, they are, are really big. big. Yeah, I grew up around like there were quite a few people that had horses and stuff, but um, I just never like. I never liked them. And like you know, people like they're when I was, really scary. When I was younger, like people would have like you know riding parties for their birthday and stuff. Yes. And I just was like. I went to the first one, nearly died of fright, did a gimbert, and then <laughs> as I, I as I called, ride a horse. As I called it when I was six before Lovejoy existed. So we um then so we go then back to Lovejoy has done his um judicial whatever it is, you know, legal work um, for <laughs> yeah, Jerry Doyle. So he goes oh, back to, yeah. goes back oh. to HMP Sutton to visit him and he says More like beautiful camera work. And he says surprisingly jerry surprisingly enough because actually when you nicked the things they didn't belong to you then he surprise- said on his legal work he didn't yeah. actually say he he probably i mean if that if that was me i would have gone away and the next week i would have gone back going yeah do you know what when you nicked them they weren't yours because <laughs> that's kind of the definition to anybody checked. i wouldn't have done research because isn't that the, de- the legal definition of theft is like depriving- taking something that's not yours it's you know <laughs> 
it's taking yeah it's removing you know property from another person with the intent to permanently deprive that's the uh oh, key bit of there you go yeah, she yeah. knows everything doesn't she yeah it's the legal definition so yeah so as you say like when he nicked them they weren't his therefore it was still theft what a surprise but this isn't a completely pointless visit because then they get to chat about the paperweights because obviously he still does have them now and, you know, they are the finest French paperweights in East Anglia. <laughs> There's so, a lot of them as well. The bar is very high for the, the extreme, Extremely. Especially so, pairs of paperweights. So we find out that Gimbert has offered him money for the paperweights already, but he hasn't fully agreed to sell them to Gimbert. Because mm. Jamie's smoking a cigar in this scene, which it, I was it a cigar? And then I was like, I loved... oh, Gimbert must have given it to him. Ah, I noticed That's, he was smoking. Yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously Lovejoy wants to sell the paperweights instead and get the commission because he obviously now desperately needs money, 14 grand by Friday. Um, and so basically, I mean, Jerry agrees to this. We don't really see that on screen, but Jerry's like, okay, fine. I think maybe Lovejoy's like, look, I'm really desperate. I've here. written down, Jerry owes Lovejoy. Why? And Does then he? Jerry tells Lovejoy this really useful bit of information, basically. Oh, yeah, which is that Ben Windsor... So we go back to Ben Windsor's wife. So he was married, but it was very brief. It all went south on the honeymoon already. and But Ben Windsor had bought Byfield Manor for his wife with the intention of this being a lovely home for her. But then because the marriage failed, he never got round to, like, doing it up. He just abandoned it. But he still owns it. And now it's coming up for auction. Ooh. So exciting. And um, handily before Friday, before Lovejoy needs the 14 grand. It's all very... Um, but Lovejoy says, oh, nobody's buying manor houses these days. Yeah. Which we know from all so our previous sad. discussions. Yeah, indeed. Man, um, sad times. I love a bloody manor house. But Lovejoy's, day. but Lovejoy's like, well, actually the house... Sorry, Jerry Boyle is like, the house isn't the point. Ben Windsor was a collector, mm, so his yeah, house... the stuff in the house. Even though he abandoned it, it's going to have some good shit in it. Yeah. And, um, he says, he doesn't say good shit because it's before the watershed. I think he says good stuff, but I... <laughs> I but we know what he means. I we paraphrase it. So actually, um, and then, because... And then I just had... I wrote a note to myself in my notes here because so much was going on. So bear in mind, like, we're cutting between... Um, this is a very busy episode. We're yeah. cutting between Eric and Beth... And that whole storyline, Gimbert's attempts to um, do to ride a horse, Lovejoy getting um, to being told he owes fourteen grand. I mean, and then visiting Jerry. And blah, blah. I actually had to pause. I never do this normally. I had to pause mm. UK TV play yeah. and like catch up on my notes and like make sure I. <laughs> I never do that normally. It was crazy. Like, it was. I do, but maybe I should because then I'd know what was going on. <laughs> I, do, I don't always, and I. I definitely did this episode. But, um, but yeah, at this point as well, um, so Lovejoy, as part of his quest to get the 14 grand, does ask Gimbert for a loan. And as we discussed, Gimbert's like, no. There is a brilliant line in this scene where Gimbert says oh, yeah. to Lovejoy, you're a cut-price Judas. And I was that's like, yes! Right. Ian <laughs> McShane and Judas. So I mean, perfect. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, because one of the reasons Gimbert says no is because he feels like Lovejoy has screwed him over about the paperweights. Mm. She said me, so yeah. I feel like I, mean, I know what you're yeah. saying about before about you know Gimbert, but, but yeah, I feel like with Lovejoy and Gimbert, it's it's it is tip for tip. There was we, I think we yeah. said before, I've said before, they're like brothers, there was, almost. There was bad they're as just, each, yeah, they're yeah. as bad as each other, you know, yeah, they yeah, do, that is true. they do things, and they work to each together other. well occasionally, and they obviously have a, do it. 
I mean, you wouldn't just go and ask any old person for a loan of 14 grand. You wouldn't go and ask your worst enemy to lend you 14 no, grand. No, no, They're not he's enemies. Not, but he's not really his worst enemy. That's what I'm saying. And They're he's not, not asking yeah. for the whole 14 grand either. I mean, this was the thing. If I was Gimba, I'd have probably said, look, I can give you three grand or whatever. Anyway. Yeah. So basically, I was a bit confused at this point because then Lovejoy does... So basically, it's clear that Jerry Boyle has agreed that Lovejoy can sell the paperweights. And um, he offers to sell them to Gimbert for five grand. But then I was really confused because then I thought, okay, so he's got five grand now. But no, it was the other way round. I got confused at yeah, that bit. Yeah, I was a bit confused yeah, about the Because I, I thought, know. anyway, they agree something with the paperweights. It's a bit confusing. Um, yeah. But they're going to go and check out Byfield Manor. Yes. Tink, yep, Tink and Lovejoy. Yeah. And Tink says he's never heard of it. And at this point, Beth was drawing them. Did you see the drawing? Yeah. I loved it. Her drawings were really good. Well, she's been to art school. They say that she's been to art school. Yeah. This is a bit where Tinker says, well, you know, I like Beth's here, but she's a girl. Um, Yeah. Where's our boys? She's not. Why is she here? Which is a bit funny. And I thought it was right for Tink to do that because he's the oldest one. So I I can almost let him off. It's really bad, yeah, isn't it? You shouldn't do that. Yeah. But um, so basically, they they drive off to Byfield to try and find Byfield Manor, and um, but they can't find it. They decide to go. To, Tink's like, "Oh, let's stop at this pub for a glass of lunch." Yeah, I can glass feel a glass of lunch, of lunch coming on. I'm going to start saying that. I can feel a glass of lunch coming on. Yeah, oh, totally. That, I'm going to adopt that. Amazing. And um, and Tinker and Lovejoy are in the pub getting directions. And they find out that Byfield Manor isn't actually in Byfield. It's in a place called Clayton, a nearby village. So now, it's quite hard that, to find. It's quite hard to find. So this becomes interesting later. Because at the time I was like, why do... We... It was It was really... They made a point of the fact yeah. that it was difficult to find. It was a... It was... Uh, it, what, what is it? Chekhov's gun. It was... Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, we yeah, need to of... know about this, don't yeah, we? Yeah, like... It is important that it is hard to find Byfield Manor and no one has ever heard of it. Mm. So anyway, so they, they, they get the directions from the the landlord, pub landlord, they're about to leave and then tinkly divvy music, tinkly divvy music. Oh yeah, and you go, oh, what is it? What's he found? What's he found? And it's the tankard, the... Yeah. Is it silver? Is it, no, what's it made of? It can't be it silver. Is yeah, silver. Solid, is it silver? It's solid, it's solid silver. silver. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Solid silver 18th century tankard that's like hanging over the bar. So they decide to stay. And there's in. lots of tankards, aren't there? They're like pewter tankards. There's lots, but they, yeah. they sort of hone in on this one and they're like, oh, leather, that could be... Yeah, and in the meantime, we've got this other. We're sort of cutting between that and this and Eric and Beth. Um, Oh, Eric! Yeah, Eric, you could just see this in slow motion. I've written, oh, Eric, I could see this playing (laughs) out in slow motion. Oh, Eric, no. Eric's trying to school Beth, basically. So Eric's taking his role as like you know trainer, mentor, mentor, very seriously. seriously. Well, good for him. Um, I mean, explaining how the whole. you know, uh, antiques business works. So basically, they, they they go to pick up. They go to sell. I can't remember some bit of furniture. It, it's, it's the sideboard of, that we see originally, don't mm. they? To someone, they get the cash for it, and then with that cash, they go and buy a table. But Beth, they're going. Are you sure we should be spending this money, Eric? It's Lovejoy's money. We shouldn't be yeah. spending it. Beth's and, actually great because she's doing what she's told. She's been doing. She's doing what she's been sent to do. Yeah, yeah. She's like Eric... cash is king, isn't that what Lovejoy said? Don't yeah. do anything. 
Yeah, and then Eric's like, oh, it's fine. Lovejoy would love this. You know, we're going to, like, make more money. And And he keeps saying, I sold... Oh, I found one like this with Lady Jane Felsham a Felsham I know he's really he is going he deserves everything he gets at this point they see this table in the window that's like got a price tag of 700 pounds and he's like goes and he tries to negotiate and um he uh he's like giving all this advice like right go in there never look at the thing you actually want so it's a bit like the ugly sisters thing that we talked about before yeah. yeah Big up everything else, ignore the but thing. But it is, you it is probably a good tip generally if you're, you know, to not get. Yeah. I suppose. And he says, like, oh, and she, afterwards, you know, she's like, oh, because they come out of the. We don't actually see the negotiation, but then afterwards, uh, Beth is like, oh, do you always say that you're trade? And he's like, oh, yes, you get a discount for trade. I mean, surely it's the other way. Around. Yeah. <laughs> they know yeah, you're trade. You should say you're a punter. Nick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, he manages to get this table for £500, which is obviously £200 less than it was on for. And so you're like, oh, okay. Has Eric actually been successful yeah, in his negotiations? Of course he hasn't. Oh, but we know he hasn't, but we're like, okay, what's going on? I, I didn't... You think, you, yeah. You knew something was going on. You know on. there's going to be a catch, you just don't know what it is. Yeah. Mm. And then we go back to Tink and Lovejoy in the pub and they get the tankard. They don't say what they pay for. I think they might persuade the guy just to kind of give it to them or really like this, you know, can we have... Yeah, yeah I mean, it. I mean, if I worked in a pub and someone said, can you give me that for 50 quid? I'd be like... Yeah, bloody hell, yeah. Yeah, it's been here for 30 years. It's covered in like two inches of dust. Yeah. Have it. And, <laughs> I don't want to And in those days, like cigarette, you know, oh, what, it'll smell of cigarettes yeah. and, and yeah. old booze. So they've got this tanker that's worth 2k, so they're, they're, they're getting there they're with getting the 14 there. grand. And then they finally find, make their way to Byfield Manor, and who is there but Charlotte? Oh, yeah. yes, because he says, it, do we get the pleasure? You do get the feeling he's, he's starting to warm to her, even though he's, he's quite rude about her in this episode. At one point, he basically says, I just can't warm to her. But a little bit of him is, because he's like, yeah. oh, do we get to well, watch you perform? I think he respects perform? her, doesn't he? he yeah. He, he knows that she knows her stuff. He says, he's not used to meeting his match, I think. Yeah. He's, he says, I'm trying hard to love her. Mm. Mm. He doesn't have to try all that hard. Yeah. It happens very, very soon. Yeah. So, um, so basically, Charlotte's there because obviously Cavendish auctions are doing the auction of Byfield Manor, but Charlotte isn't personally doing it. As we said, she's going to Cambridge to buy for the Fitzwilliam. Buy for Fitzwilliam. So some other do. some other guys doing it. So they're poking around Byfield Manor, Tink and Lovejoy, seeing if there is anything valuable that they can buy to flog. And um, Tink finds something in amongst oh, the yes. junk in the garden. It is lovely. And so we see this thing. It. So immediately I was like, it, this must be the... And obviously I had no idea how to pronounce it at this point, but this must be the Kakimon tiger. Like, presumably it's like yes. a porcelain tiger. And bear like in mind, porcelain pig. Bear in mind, we're now like, you know, 60% of the way through the episode. Yeah. And it suddenly appears. <laughs> more than halfway through, and the thing that the episode is supposedly about. Do you know what I loved about this bit? And it's something we've said so many times on the podcast before. They're looking at it, and Lovejoy knows that it's valuable, knows what it is, but then defers to Tinker and says, but you're the expert on pottery. Yeah. And I do like that he does that. He never gets Yeah, he can't, he knows it's something, but he doesn't... I think he probably knows what it is, but he's still deferring to the person mm. that he sees as the expert. And um, we have the tinkly divvy music playing, but this time with oh, a yeah. slight oriental twist. Yeah, oh, yes. so we know that it's not from England. Slightly pentatonic, uh, tinkly <laughs> divvy music. I've written, Tink finds a tiger. It's a yeah. special tiger. <laughs> <laughs> 
didn't Emma was still in the back of my notes. I was like, it's it a special else. tiger. Emma was writing the children's book version <laughs> yes. of this episode. <laughs> Tink finds a tiger. It is well, a special tiger. Shall, shall I read you my next line? Tink finds a tiger. It's a special tiger. An academic arrives. <laughs> He wasn't no, even an academic. The no, only guy who turns up, so he's an expert in. Yeah, so he's an antiques guy, but he turns up in a taxi guy. and leaves his briefcase on top, oh, and all yes. his papers fall out, and yeah, yeah. So basically, Mr. just to, sorry, just to say that. So they they find this seventeenth-century Japanese porcelain tiger thing, and coincidentally, again, I, I know I shouldn't be so cynical, but coincidentally, it's worth about twelve grand. So they've Useful. got a tankard that's worth two grand. And a tiger that's worth 12 grand. Ooh, 2 and 12 makes 14. <laughs> that's great. Ooh. So I was a bit, yeah. Anyway, it just happens to be. Yeah. So yeah, then we see, like you say, the guy getting out of the taxi. But So although he's a bit of a shambles, he is also a specialist in oriental porcelain, amongst mm-hmm. other things. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, we can't let him see the tiger. And that's when they realise, like, you know, we could get this tiger at the auction. But if anyone else sees it that knows what it is... We, yeah, you know, we're screwed. Yeah. We're screwed. Yeah. So we have to like not let this guy see it. And they're like, we, and they also they work out that it's going to be sold towards the beginning of the auction, where obviously people might come I mean, a bit it's late. Like not stuff. fifteen yeah. out of yeah, out of like, it, yeah, it's whatever, not like the special hundreds. So they're like, time. oh, yeah. you know, people might be a bit late, and you know, so we might. So basically, they decide they have a chance of getting it in the auction. Mm. But then this is the this is before they hatch a plan of how they can make it fairly certain that they will get it in the auction. But then in the meantime, we go back to um, Beth and Eric who bought this table. And then... Oh, poor Eric. And then we go... And then we go back to this, the scary lo- loan shark who's uh, basically... Yeah, Mr yeah. Litvak sends Lovejoy a fruit basket to say, oh, was, by the way, you're going to die. There was something massively sinister about that because it was so bizarre. It wasn't like, I've sent you a dead horse's head or some... Ooh. Here's a fruit basket. What? Here's something to help you look after yourself uh, yeah. before you die. And yeah. as he said, like, every day is cremation day or something. Was it cremation? Oh, because oh, well, he says all men are cremated equal. All yeah. men are cremated equal. And, and in this scene, he's kind of talking about it, not just Lovejoy, who owes him a debt, but all the other people. And he stopped going through with Rathbone of, like, right, let's break yeah. that person's legs. Let's send a wreath to that person's wife's shop. Let's it's do really this. Freaky. Let's do that. He's so you nasty. can kind of see that he is just—he's a psychopath. Actually, yeah, he's, he's horrible. He's, yeah, he's, he's really um, awful. A bit of a scary man. Um. So yeah. So he sends Lovejoy um a giant fruit basket. Not really sure what it's supposed to convey. I always think of fruit baskets as being quite an American thing to send. No one's ever bought me a fruit basket. Well, they normally just buy me booze. The only reason I I even sort of know that there's such a thing as a fruit basket that you send people is because I've seen it on like American programs. Where they go, oh, shall we send them a fruit basket? Do you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I've never known it to be a thing that happens in this I, country. I, my, my one was in a hotel, so I suppose the hotel maybe offered it. I don't know, but so do do we do we want to say what uh, what happens with poor old Eric and the oh, chest? Because yeah, so, we haven't so, actually said so, that, and that was so, quite yeah. funny. And um, this is where it happens. This is where we find out. Yeah. So um, so yeah, so Lovejoy gets the fruit basket. Rathbones um, and Litvaka sort of threatening him, and then yeah, he so, remains but very cool though, doesn't he? Yeah, very cool. And then we find out basically that Eric is very, very pr- pleased that he's bought this table oh, for yeah. £200 less than it was being. So he bought it for £500. And then basically it transpires that this is the very same table. Because he's like, oh, yes, I had, I had one. Uh, I bought one for Lady Jane. Not like, really, yeah, this one. Yeah. 
Not yeah, only did you buy one for Lady Jane, it was this one that they only sold to the guy oh, for Eric. a little while oh, ago Eric. for £300. And so he basically he's got bought back the table for £200 more than they sold it for. Well done, Eric. And Lovejoy says, I'll take it out your wages. And Eric says, what wages? Aww. Yeah, and so sort of puts his head down in his hands and Beth gives him a bit of a rub on the back of the Aww, head. I Beth really is felt adorable. for him. She I was great. Beth. So this is where they go into their great plan. Yeah, so they're going to say, we're going to hijack the auction. And I was like, what are they, how do you hijack an auction? Like, are they going to burst in mm. at the, you know, like, how do you, yeah, you can't hijack an auction. What's that mean? They hijack it by montage. <laughs> I love things that are done by montage. They hi- definitely hijack it by montage. There was some really good perilous music underneath the oh, montage yes, that I enjoyed so much. And this is why I wrote, this is why I wrote, this is why Byfield Manor not being in Byfield was important. Yeah. So they basically, they, they move all the, any poster that was up advertising the auction, they take that down. So they're all doing it. Beth's, Beth's ripping things off church notice oh, yeah. boards and they're spinning round the blooming signs in the street oh, that show yeah. you where it is. They're taking, then, they're taking down the signs that are pointing to the auction. They did a thing that I don't think you can do anymore, which was yes. by blocking the phone lines. Yes. And I don't think you can do you, that anymore. I don't think you can do it anymore. So they, they ring... The, Why can't you do it? Anyway. So so they ring the auction house yeah. and then they just drop the thing. So if you're Which in means the, the line o- is the open. receiver. Is so the, the line is in. yeah, Polly's got it. The, so the line is open. So yeah. the guy answers it and goes, "Oh, hi, I'm the auction." And nothing is happening. So if he hangs up and picks up again, it's it still the same call. Because I remember that, that happening. I'm when sure we were kids. that doesn't happen anymore. It I, doesn't. How does it not though? I know that now you can just, if somebody rings you and you don't want to talk to them, you can just hang up and then if you try to use your phone Yeah, later, it just works, doesn't it? It's it will not, just work. It's not the same. It, not if they, you don't need... But not if they were still on the line to you. Yeah, I think you can. I think you can hang up and just... You just yeah, just like if you rang me on my mobile and I hung up on you, I could then make another call, even if yeah. you were... Even if you were going, what, what, yeah, what have yeah, you done? yeah. But I, I'm not thinking about a mobile, sorry. Oh, yeah, obviously on a mobile, but on a landline. Do you think it's still... Maybe it's still the same. I, I think it's still the same. I think it's still the same because I... We'll have to test it one day. Because I did this once with my phone at home. I do still have a house phone. Obviously, barely ever use it. So this is why this, is why this happened. Mm. So this is fairly recently. I had made a call with it or someone had called me on it or whatever. And I hadn't hung it up properly. And then it was just no one else could ring me on it. Oh, for, so it is still. But I didn't realise because obviously no one tried to ring me on it. Then for some mm. reason I went to, to I don't know. I went to pick up a girl or something. I don't know. I was probably tidying up. Yeah, around I suppose it you would something. pick it up and be like, "Why is there no dial tone?" And I was because like, you're all, "Oh, yeah, yeah." I was like, "Oh, that's like, that's weird." And I tried to, I, I just, I tried to ring it and I couldn't ring it. And then, I, and then obviously I hung it up and then. I don't know how fine. you're going to edit all this, Em. <laughs> I'm not. Anyway, I think the this very fascinating. The very maybe. boring thing about that is, yeah, I think with a landline, there are, maybe not every phone, because maybe some phones have a thing where they automatically cut off after a certain time and stuff. But I think with landlines, you maybe could still do it. But but that's irrelevant because no one uses landlines anymore. So, yeah, you couldn't do this. You couldn't do this now. Yeah, so, so they I'm ring the making... auction. Yeah, they ring the auction from public phone boxes. And then they just In the middle let of the, nowhere. They just let the handset just drop, drop don't they which yeah. means that the call stays on open or open so nobody else can ring the auction to make a bid or exactly or yeah. do whatever but, anything, yeah. um, but then 
one of like part of that somebody else pulls up some guy in a truck or whatever and he needs to make a phone call so he hangs up the phone oh yeah um, and by the time lovejoy and everybody else get to the auction one of the phones starts ringing um, oh, yeah. and lovejoy goes outside and just pulls all the phone lines out of the wall i gasped i properly went <gasps> can you did you go like that's oh, a step too God, far for me do that what if i've literally written down what if there was a fire <laughs> <laughs> I'd completely forgotten at this point. They're not real people. It's not really happening. They don't need to have access safety to Safety first. Lines. She's there going, safety okay. first. <laughs> and then Eric's there with like a steward's armband, which they swiped the day before because mm. they were being delivered the day before they swiped one. Oh, yeah. Actually turning people away, telling them the, the auction's been cancelled. So anyone that so anyone that does manage to find it, despite there being no signs and blah, 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 mm. um, gets told, oh, it's it's not on anyway, we're going to reschedule. Yeah. So basically Mr. They do, Saunders. Because of chicken pox, he <laughs> yeah. says. Chicken, chicken pox in the... Uh, There's a chicken pox staff. outbreak, so they've cancelled it. But yeah, then Mr. So. Saunders makes his way through, so the expert from earlier, yeah, because so he he's in a taxi and the taxi driver just ignores Eric and just carries on. But then yeah. Lovejoy catches Mr. Saunders before he makes it into the auction and um, locks him in the toilet. Did we work out why Mr. Saunders... What was the relevance for him having a cold at the end? Because if it's the implication that you get it because you got a bit cold, that's not how it works. Yeah, yeah but I think I mean, that is. But I think that is the implication because it is shorthand on TV, isn't it? I, mean, I know it's. We know it's not true, but yeah, I think that's that's why. So yeah, he's meant to. So he's um, out of the running. So basically, nobody turns up for the auction. Nobody can call. It was a dead loss, and, as Charlotte and, says. It's yeah, like a turkey Saunders, who might have noticed the tiger, I didn't get into the room. He's in the like, loo. It's like a turkey farm on Boxing Day, as they say. <laughs> That's a brilliant, brilliant. Uh... So yeah, so basically, the so no one's there at the auction. Hardly anyone's there. Uh, how anyone gets there, I'm not sure. But anyway, there's some other people there, but not very many people. And the Kakiamon Tiger is in a lot. It's not even on its own anyway. So it's just yeah. like in a box with all this garden junk. And so they get it for a tenner. Amazing. And then, as they're packing up the auction, so that's that success. They've got the tiger, and then as the auction's getting packed up, the auctioneers hear this like yelling and banging, yeah. and oh, poor old noise? poor old Saunders is like stuck in the loo, and we learn he gets stuck there for six hours. <laughs> six hours! Oh my god! But my my worst fear about getting stuck somewhere is not being able to go to the loo. So at least you get stuck in a loo. Like if you get stuck in a lift. Yeah. How do you go to the loo? That would be very stressful for me, but actually being stuck in a being loo, stuck at least in you the can toilet. go to the loo. Anyway, right, so then, we're uh, we're nearly there. I feel this has been something of a marathon. Yeah, Mr Saunders is very cross with way. Charlotte, and I did feel for Charlotte at this I point. I felt not her for Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah, so well, Saunders goes to complain to her, and then she's like, well, yeah, I don't know what happened. Um, I'm going to reschedule the auction. And then Saunders lets slip that it was Lovejoy who... Um, locked him in the loo and then said her face love joy she's like this is why I got a bit confused about again this so this is where we see so we come to like the sort of final scene I guess if you like and love joy is is give getting I see I got confused about the paperweights who was giving who money for these paperweights so basically well, I think I think Charlie had bought them off Lovejoy, so Lovejoy has the money to give to your man, and so basically, the what, what's his name Litvak gets gets the paperweights twice, and he gets the money, the six grand for them, and then gets the actual paperweights because he doesn't know 
Do you see what I mean? So he basically, doesn't take any cash. He doesn't take the cash. I thought he took cash and no. things. No, he just takes the things. Which is that kind of that kind of made that made more sense. So basically, um, Gimba ends up without the paperweights or the cash. Or the cash. Because he, yeah. he gave that's right. So he gave the cash to Lovejoy. Yeah. And the paperweights to um, to Litvak. Yes. So Gimbert was buying. That's right. So Gimbert was buying the paperweights off Lovejoy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was a bit confusing that part. It was a bit confusing because that six and again, was sort of not really counted. Anyway, it's the one bit though where they're. But you, you also you know that he Litvak likes uh, nice expensive things and and probably knows the value you know in terms of the price yeah, <laughs> rather than yeah. value um, of things. Yeah. And so yeah, Lovejoy. But this is where actually. This is the one bit where I did feel sorry for Charlie because it shows that a lot of his bluster and bravado is just bluster and bravado. Yeah. Because he says, uh, Litvak says, oh, well, you actually owe me more money because it's taking you into the next week because you're four mm. hours late or whatever it is. And Lovejoy goes, oh, come on. And he goes, oh, but I like these paperweights. I'll have these. And Lovejoy goes, um, Charlie? And Charlie just, just, he just freezes, doesn't... basically. Yeah, because basically, like, Litvak's like, I'll take them. And yeah. and well, so they're they're not Lovejoys. They're now Charlie's because Charlie's yeah. Just and so as love and the Lovejoy's quite clever because again, Lovejoy does a bit like when he said, "Oh, I said they could be spowed." It's a little bit like that. He's like, "Uh, Charlie, Charlie yeah. doesn't do anything." And then Charlie say, says, "It's your fault," and he goes, "Well, it's not. I gave you the choice. They're your things. Mm. You were in the room. You were literally there." But Charlie's not too, my problem. Charlie's yeah. too scared. So basically, so yeah, um, so. This is a bit weird. We don't know how, but somehow, Lovejoy, though he's got a very clear deadline, Friday, 3pm, somehow yeah. he's managed to be three hours late. So, it's got, like you say, it's gone into the next week, and so now he owes £16,800 to Litvak. is mm-hmm. such Litvac, a villain. Who's such a villain. villain. So, because so, Lovejoy's very pleased, because he's got the tankard, two, two and a half grand. He's got yep. the tiger, 12 and a half grand. So, they've got 15 grand worth of stuff to pay the 14 grand. They're like, you know, we've got more than enough. This is fine. And they're like, suddenly they need like another two grand. I know, yeah. And then the paperweights are worth six grand. So basically, Litvak's getting 20 grand. Claims he'll send him a promissory note, doesn't he? Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you can have a credit note. It'll be fine. <laughs> but he obviously, I mean, is that ever going to materialise? And like you, say, like you say, Gimba is so terrified of Litvak that he doesn't speak up when to say, well, actually, they're my paperweights. Love gives him the option. Yeah. So yeah, it's a bit, but but you know, all's well that ends well in the sense that like Litvak gets what he wanted and is gone. Lovejoy gets him off his back. Yeah. Litvak goes on to you know uh, terrorize someone else. This is where we find out a little bit more about the Kakiamon tiger. Although I still feel oh, like yes. we could have known more about this, but we find out that Kakiamon is is Japanese for persimmon, basically. So oh, I'm not yeah. quite sure then why the tiger was called. Did it have... Yeah, they didn't kind of say what the tiger had to do with persimmons, did they? I like persimmons. They're also, are, they, aren't they, are they the same? They're also called Sharon fruit, aren't they? Yes, they which I think are. Is, which I think, I think that's already, why I was pausing then, because I was like, there's another name for them that I didn't look up. That's it. Which I think is quite a funny name. It's like, it's like calling a fruit, like, Julie. <laughs> fruit. Yeah, Sharon. Do you know what? I've just, I've just had to look up what a persimmon even is. And I then, don't think I've ever had one. Oh, they're anyway, nice, Karen. they're nice, yeah. But they we don't young. know why the tiger we don't know, yeah, has we... an association with the fruit. We just and then don't it's know because it's the same colour. Sort of orangey. Is it? Oh. Maybe. 
Maybe. Maybe. It's a beautiful time. I did really like it. It is like lovely. It. And this is where we get a bit of the casual racism from Lit Facts. He's like, oh, the Japs oh, he's call it... just fine, The Japs call it khaki, for sure, or whatever. It's like, okay. He's just horrid. I mean, yeah. we know he's horrid already. He's horrid, It's not yeah, like the casual horrid. racism tips him over the edge. Oh, he was all right until he used that word. But, so, yeah. so all's well that ends well, however, you know, because they've got Lit Vac off their backs. And then, and then Charlotte... Hasn't got Charlotte off his back, though, has he? And then she, exactly. <laughs> Charlotte's fuming. Just Charlotte's when you like, think it's all over. Charlotte's like, I've got a bone to pick with you. But then he, he sort of starts to explain. Yeah. And then I like that. Yeah. I love it when it ends like that. There's that quite the a few episodes of, that end like episode, that. When him going, well, what happened was... Yeah. Well, well, a bit like when Jane said she was going to say where she was and it, we never found out. You yeah. Know, um, so. and, that's, and that's the end. That was it. it. So... I, I thought to myself before starting to watch this episode, oh, I'm pretty sure I constantly go between eight and nine. I'm like, eight, eight and a half, nine, oh, eight. Um, and I was determined <laughs> to not do that. And then I watched it, I was like, oh, I fucking love this episode. I'm going to yeah, give it a nine. Me. I really liked it. I'm going to give it a The work in particular was it's really super, good. It's super, wasn't it? Yeah. It fitted together so well. James it Nesbitt didn't have... great. Yeah, it, I think the way they introduced Beth was good and not clunky. Yeah. I was going to give it a nine. Yeah, it was really good. And I loved the... I just loved the tiger. I yeah. I think I agree with everything that you guys have said. I So I, th- I was given an eight and a half just because I love the tiger. I kind of wanted it to be a bit more about the tiger. I don't know yeah. in a way... But just to find out more about it or for that to just have had a bit more of a role. And I know it did have a massive role because it was the thing that, you know, got lit back off Lovejoy's back. Mm. But, yeah, so that's, I mean, maybe it's harsh to do it up to whole half mark for that. But, um, yeah, I'm going to go with eight and a half. But I did love it. I absolutely yeah, loved it. Yeah, it was really good. Mm-hmm. Did anybody learn anything? Well, I learned that Japanese in Japanese, the Japanese for persimmon is kakimon. Very useful. And Beth reminded me that it's, it's not size that matters, it's what you do with it. Yes. I learned that um, you can clean silver with a litre of water, a tablespoon of baking soda and a bit of foil. Oh, oh yes. Which yeah, I kind yeah, yeah. of knew, but I had just completely forgotten. The foil, like, attracts the dirt, dirt or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, there's yes. some... Yeah. But, yeah, that's how Tinker says they're going to clean up the um, silver tankard. And I learned about um, employment training schemes and incentives <laughs> in the early 90s, which yeah. actually to me was I think quite... that's quite niche to your role. I think that that sort of went, oh, yeah, she gets... Okay, cool. I actually found that quite interesting. Good, good yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Do we all, no, no. Do we no, all no, have the same antique of the week? Probably. Is it the lighter? Oh, my God. Oh, so just no. Like, no, for me, it is the tiger. Yeah, but for me, for, it was going to be the tiger. until I saw the tiger, it was the lighter. Yeah, the lighter's just cool as a concept. But but then I saw the tiger and he had such a funny face. He did, it was great. I like the tiger. And I do love Oriental porcelain. I actually do. Yeah. Um, But I just, with the the lighter, they describe it as trench art. And I just love Mm. the idea of like people... In those situations, oh, making making you know, beautiful things like out of all prisoners things. of war, trenches, prisoners in general, um, people on slave ships, whatever it is, where they in their difficult situation, where they're just trying to survive, they still have the impulse to like Actually, make something you know beautiful. Yeah. That useful. is a good thing to learn about from this episode is the idea that you can always make something beautiful out of 
Yeah. How, whatever little you have. Yeah. Well, it's not even that you can. It's more like that you need to. That you to. will. You and have the you have to. to that, people yeah. were still yeah. doing that. You know, even in this life and death situation, they yeah. had this impulse to create something that was going to be... And that is gorgeous. Beautiful. And in this case, beautiful and useful. So yeah, yeah. So absolutely. Like, okay, not many people smoke anymore, but I have a lot of candles. So yeah, I've I was going to say, least... you still need lighters. Oh, yeah, you still need lighters. Oh. Yeah. So your, so mine is the lighter, yours both is the beautiful tiger. Yeah. It was lovely. Yeah. It was lovely. And and welcome Beth. So I'm Yes. yes I'm very I really exciting. want to see what happens with Beth and, and how she progresses. It is exciting to have a new series. a new regular character because it feels like a new Yeah. And we've just met a new friend and we're gonna get to know her now. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's exciting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, come and so, come and follow us online at Lovejoy A Pod on socials. Um, yeah, talk to us on Twitter. Yeah, Polly really likes it. <laughs> um, well, can... I haven't got my own Twitter now. I have to rely yeah, have on the Lovejoy Twitter well. for my my like Twitter Twitter images. Um, you can support us on Patreon from as little as two dollars a month, which is like seventy p. I don't know what it is actually. Um, but that means you can, yeah, no you can see some videos of us if you don't if you're interested in that. Uh, you can hear full length Q and A's. You can get our blooper reels, um, and uh, and we don't have adverts or anything like that. So it's a really good way of supporting us um because obviously we don't get paid um <laughs> i mean obviously I mean, just work. in case you guys were anyone thought we were if raking it in bankrolling us they're not yeah well we don't um, carry adverts because that's how much adverts. we love you listener and of course there's lots of other ways to support us like tell your friends if you're yes. in the pub and you happen to give us a review about, leave us a review yeah polly loves her reviews i won't read them but she will um <laughs> and, it, and it pushes up pushes us not up in the rankings well, that's the but thing. it pushes it, us in front of other people put us at the top of the list of love joy podcasts <laughs> <laughs> um and we're still fundraising for royal trinity hospice yes. which is the hospice that looked after Dudley Sutton at the end of his life. We're gonna um, do the Royal Parks half marathon we in April, are. all being oh well. Oh my god! Um, I got the t-shirt yet. I just hope yeah. it goes ahead. Yeah, yeah we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, yeah so um, I'll, I'll put a link in, in the show yeah. notes for how you can Definitely. spot us with that. Fingers crossed, it does go ahead. It's very exciting. And we will learn more about Beth in two weeks' time. See you then. Yay! See you then. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Zoom wave. Let's tell.